The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for listening in to winningponies.com. It's going to be quite a week and a half of racing coming up on us. And, of course, it looks like there's going to be a record crowd for the championships, 193 horses pre-entered for the Breeders' Cup. So we're going to have uh, lots of Breeders' Cup talk. Uh, a little bit on tonight's show, and then, of course, uh, next week's show will be completely dedicated uh, to, the, to the Breeders' Cup. We'll be in the Louisville area trying to get the hottest scoops for you. Well, I... Um I talked to you tonight to, with, with a heavy heart and, and a heavy stomach. I just got done uh, having a goodbye dinner with uh, Randy Fazard. Uh, Randy Fazard was one of the top uh, officials here at River Downs over this past season. He was brought in by Pinnacle Entertainment to kind of handle mostly the horse racing side of the sport here at River Downs. And uh, we were one of the few tracks that got to put out a press release at the end of the year that says, Business is up. Uh, under a lot of suggestions from Randy, uh, this track took a uh, turn for the better in more ways than one. First of all, you, the betting public, uh, Randy was behind uh, changing some of the betting patterns here. Uh, he encouraged that we go to uh, the 50-cent wagers on the exotics, and the, the fans uh, uh, really did uh, appreciate that. Randy got along great with the horsemen. Now, some of you uh, will recall the name Randy Fazard. He was uh, Turf Paradise's general manager from 93 uh, to 2007. He also opened uh, uh, Zia Park, uh, just has a great reputation, and uh, you only need to spend a little time with Randy to find out what a great guy he really is, and uh, really just a fantastic uh, racing consultant uh, to Pinnacle and River Downs again. Our last two months, I mean, even Randy would come in the office and say, I can't believe I'm giving you these facts, um, comparatively to the a year past in the last two months we were up in the area of a 45 percent increase on on track handle and i have to admit that a lot of that had to do with some of the programs that randy implemented uh the days that he supported us racing by piggybacking with some of the bigger tracks uh seemed to get us in their wind stream so there were more people looking at the river down signal uh and we were up in just about every area and again uh owed in very large part to Randy Fazard. We're going to miss him, but he misses his family. He's got grandchildren back in Arizona, and that's where his connections are, and he's heading back. So, Randy, uh, all of us, we had a nice party with the staff at River Downs this evening. Uh, we wish you nothing but the best, and I look forward to seeing you sometime very soon in the future. Well, uh, breaking news, if you weren't uh, at Laurel Park or near a simulcasting center, Rapid Redo got number 19. It was not an easy task. He did go off at 1-5, to five, but there was also a 9-2 to two shot in there, uh, saddled by the red-hot Jamie Ness. 
track came up muddy, but it didn't change anything. Jackie, uh, J.D. Acosta uh, admitted that he had to push him today because he was turning back to seven furlongs. His last several races had been around three turns going long. Uh, he's now done it with eight different tracks, eight different distances, eight different jockeys. Unbelievable. And where does that put him in history? Well, it ties him with Pepper's Pride and a nice horse by the name of Zenyatta for the longest winning streak in modern thoroughbred history. Congratulations to all the connections of Rapid Redo. Okay, uh, coming up on the Breeders' Cup, they did shuffle a couple of the races, and for good reason. Uh, according to the CEO, uh, uh, Craig Frabel, uh, that it was due to the heightened uh, international interest in Goldacova, uh, her quest for an unprecedented fourth consecutive TVG Breeders' Cup mile, and they're going to move the mile later in Saturday's program, and it will be just before the $5 million Breeders' Cup Classic. So I don't care if you're at a wedding or a funeral, make an excuse just for that hour and a half to get away and make sure that your eyes are on the Breeders' Cup World Championships uh, in, in Louisville at Churchill Downs. Uh, again, the Breeders' Cup races, it's now, of course, a two-day affair, as you know. Uh, it kicks off on Friday in what will be the, the fifth race that'll start at 410 uh, down at Churchill Downs. So obviously by the time uh, they run through the six races on the card that day, uh, they'll be ending up with the uh, Breeders' Cup Ladies Classic at 730. And this time of year, that would put us under the lights at Churchill Downs. And of course, uh, on Saturday, um, the Breeders' Cup Marathon will be the first Breeders' Cup race, and that's set at 1.20. But uh, a lot of places will be opening their doors a little bit earlier. Uh, the racing kicks off at Churchill Downs at 12.05 on Saturday. 2 o'clock on Friday, 12.05 on Saturday. Get yourself to a racetrack or an OTV parlor near you. Well, sad to say we're not going to see one of the uh, biggest stars in racing uh, in the classic, uh, Tisway. Uh, his career came to an abrupt end on Tuesday. Uh, he was diagnosed with a strain of the suspensory ligament in his left foreleg, and that's going to force him out of the Classic. Uh, he's scheduled to go to stud at Spendthrift Farm in Kentucky. A uh, little bit, of course, of his uh, resume. Uh, this year he started out third in the Gulfstream Park Handicap and the Charlestown Handicap, and then all of a sudden he just took a turnaround, had a dynamic victory in the Metropolitan Handicap, where his final time of 132 and change was the second fastest clocking in the 118-year history of the Met Mile, a very prestigious race. Uh, so, again, he is going to join on the sidelines Twirling Candy, who uh, was retired with, with injury. Uh, it's just a slight injury, according to uh, John Sadler. It's not a big thing. He could probably give him some time off and put him back in uh, training, but uh, that's not going to be on his schedule. Uh, his final two starts, he was third in the Grade 1 Hollywood Gold Cup in July and second by a head in a great race to acclamation in the Pacific Classic. Um, so that's not only the first bad news for Sadler, but uh, Zazu uh, was declared from the Breeders' Cup Ladies Classic on Wednesday. Uh, she had a little bit of inflammation. The good news is she's expected to return back to training in 2012. Well, uh, most of the uh, the news of the week concerning a, a lot of the horses we'll be following uh, had to do mostly with workouts. Uh, again, Uncle Mo. Uh, they're trying to slow him down a little bit, it appears, because he's been having some absolutely sizzling uh, workouts. Um, 
and Stay Thirsty, who's not known as the world's uh, uh, greatest workhorse. He's going to uh, uh, in, come into the classic again with his stablemate with some very uh, steady works uh, set up to be a more serious w- work. Uh, he went out with Kaxa Electronica, who's also a stakes horse, um, and he looks like he is fit and ready to roll. So uh, they are already bedded down uh, at Churchill Downs. Um, the Factor, who's uh, just a, uh, one of the freaky uh, speed horses, um, is uh, going to start uh, uh, in the in the Breeders' Cup. Uh, he works seven furlongs and one twenty-two and one. Uh, he's going to be pre-entered for the Sprint and the Dirt Mile. So we'll find out later in the week where some of these horses are going to go. Uh, and Baffert does plan to start Euro years in the Breeders' Cup Sprint. So again, most of most of that. Uh, News all on the training track. Harve de Grasse, she is set to go against the boys. Uh, she had been training uh, down at Keeneland on the poly track. And uh, just uh, prior to her uh, work, it was on Monday, uh, Larry Jones, who was on one of his two-year-olds, uh, galloped in front of his filly and just kind of gave her a little something to shoot at. Not like that she was actually a, uh, a workout partner. And uh, she did the opening eighth in uh, 11 and 2. Uh, she completed three eighths in 35 and 1. Finished out six furlongs in 1, 11 and 3. And uh, kind of pulled up kind of quick. But uh, it, it, was a, it was a good work for Harvard Grass. And again, she's going to be uh, playing uh, the Zenyatta factor in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Uh, over at uh, Churchill Downs, uh, Courageous Cat, Court Vision, uh, they both uh, worked for uh, the, the Breeders' Cup Mile. Uh, it's, so basically, you can go to a lot of different websites and actually view uh, these, uh, these works of these horses and uh, see what your eye has to say. Uh, well, uh, on the breeding end of things, uh, looks like it's going to be the final start of the career for Drosselmeyer in the Breeders' Cup Classic. So he will be all out. Uh, as you know, Windstar Farm, they paid 600000 for Drosselmeyer as a yearling. Uh, he went on to win the Belmont Stakes. And uh, he's going to stand in New York as uh, part of the Windstar contingent. Uh, he's going to be joining their Bluegrass Cat. So Drosselmeyer, that's his, your last chance to see him, is in the Kentucky Cup Classic. Uh, another uh, stallion shift, uh, Shakespeare, who's turned out to be a pretty good stud down in uh, Florida, is, is going to be moving uh, to Lane's End. That's always a good sign uh, when, when you're moving to Lane's End for your stallion career. And speaking of stallions, uh, we, we lost a, a pretty good one, a nice shuttle horse, uh, uh, Bernstein, uh, son of Stormcat, out of uh, an affirmed mare, La Affirmed, uh, uh, passed away this week uh, at the age of 14. He was standing at the time for $20,000. Uh, we talked last week about Keeneland and how fast it was. They set another track record last week. So I believe they've had uh, six track records in this meet. All right. Well, we had Jeremy Plunk handicapping uh, with us last week. Let's take a look at how we did on, on winning ponies. We started out with the Lexus Raven Run, and it turned out to be Ladies' Day. Uh, two horses uh, that we we, uh, we both uh, spoke about, uh, Groupie Doll and Great Hot, put on one heck of a show. And why was it Ladies' Day? Well, it was Greta Kunzweiler on Groupie Doll, and Chantel Sutherland, 
who was making only her second career start at Keeneland, putting on a show. She put in a masterful ride aboard Great Hot, uh, took her time, and all of a sudden came up on the rail. Meanwhile, Greta had to go outside. Those two fought it to the wire in a group finish, and it was Chantel Sutherland getting up on Great Hot. And I'll tell you what, every track should have a Chantel. She was just fantastic with the media, uh, posed uh, with, with children, taking off her helmet, you know, pop, uh, popping it on their head, posing for pictures, really just a, uh, a beautiful, outgoing person, and she really lit up uh, Keeneland. Now, under the lights, speaking of being lit up, uh, we looked at the, uh, the Jean Lafitte, and both Jeremy and I keyed in on a horse who just broke its maiden at Monmouth, my Adonis. And uh, he established himself as a serious contender for next month's Grade 3 $1 million Delta Downs jackpot with an authoritative win in Saturday night's $200,000 Jean Lafitte. He won by five and a half lengths. Again, came in from Monmouth Park off a maiden win. But what we pointed out there is sometimes it's about who you race against. And when you look at his past performances, in every race that he had started before his maiden, horses came out of that race and won their next start. So my Adonis is going to be a very uh, promising young horse to watch, and we will uh, key in on him when that million-dollar Delta Downs jackpot comes up. I'm sure there will be some other two-year-olds coming out of the woodwork. Then we went to Laurel Park for the DeFrancis Memorial Dash. Uh, Veteran Ravello couldn't do it, but Candyman E could. And Candyman E, uh, trained by Anthony Dutro, came in with some really good steady buyers from Delaware and Parks. Uh, got it done, ridden by Joe Bravo. He had to go through a lot of traffic, but he did get it done. Got up by a half length. Not the first time Dutro's been in the winner's circle there. He trained Light the Fuse to a pair of wins in the DeFrancis Dash. Um, and his brother, uh, uh, Rick Dutro, won with uh, Benny the Bull. So kind of keeping it in the family in the DeFrancis Dash for the Dutros. And then again, it was kind of a state-bred day up in the Chicago area. We went to Hawthorne Park. It was an upsetter in there. Four left feet at 14-1 to one, got the job done for Christine Jenks. These were all Illinois-bred races. So uh, Christine Jenks won not one but two races on the afternoon card. Well, that pretty much uh, rounds out a lot of the uh, upcoming uh, horses that are going to be pointing for the Breeders' Cup. Again, a two-day event. It's going to be both Friday and Saturday of next week, uh, the Breeders' Cup emanating from Churchill Downs, of course, on a dirt track. Well, coming up next, one of my favorite people in the world. Uh, he's uh, getting an award on Breeders' Cup Week, and he's also been inducted into a new Hall of Fame. I'm talking about the one, the only, the most recognizable voice in Arkansas. Terry Wallace will be with us very shortly. Right now, a little break, and then we'll be back on winningponies.com. flagship station for sports voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track 
you can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Listen to Sports Talk at the Positive Pub every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Gil Tyree talks to sports newsmakers, playmakers, and story breakers. You, the hardcore, interactive, and novice fan, can join the show via your phone calls and emails. Sample what's good, right, and positive about the world of sports every week. Begin your week in a positive way with Sports Talk from the Positive Pub. Be here every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, back for our second segment, one of my favorites where we get to meet a personality in racing and learn about his entrance into the game, his love of the game, his connection with it. And uh, his name is Terry Wallace. Uh, briefly, uh, let me tell you, if he, as I said earlier, is the most recognized voice in Arkansas. Uh, but what an amazing run he's had, first of all, the different places he's been. But the run that he did there, boy, talk about getting five stars for attendance. Uh, he called every race at Oaklawn from 1975 until early 2010, never missing a day at the track during that stretch. And on March 25th, he became the first announcer in history to call 20,000 consecutive races at one track without ever missing one. And while that in itself is an accomplishment, uh, Terry's had many over the years. Uh, he, of course... Uh, is in the Arkansas Hall of Fame, but what we just found out, or I did last week, is that, is that he's going to be a two-time Hall of Famer because Nebraska wants him too. So, uh, with, without further ado, I want to uh, introduce you to a guy who started at a little old racetrack in Cincinnati by the name of River Downs. Terry Wallace, how are you, my friend? <laughs> Great, John. And, and actually, it's just the opposite. I, Nebraska put me into their Hall of Fame a couple of years ago, and Arkansas will be putting me into the Arkansas Sports Hall of Fame uh, in February of 2012. So uh, either way, you know, Hall of Fame is Hall of Fame. It's, uh, it's a wonderful honor, and, uh, and I'm very thrilled about it. But I'm, you know, so glad to talk to you because Cincinnati is where it all started, and I went to my first races at River Downs, and I did my first, some of my first announcing stuff there at River Downs, and my first job on a racetrack was the river down, so I've, I feel a lot of affinity to, to the things along the river. Well, you know, uh, you certainly can hang your hat on the 20,000 consecutive races, but earlier in your career, uh, you uh, 
really got known uh, or were certainly uh, recognized <clears throat> as being having your claim to fame as the guy that called Steve Cawthon's first win. Yeah, that was, you know, for a long time, uh, when people asked me what was the most important race I ever called, that was it. I mean, Steve's importance and his impact on racing was uh, immediate. Uh, he won the Triple Crown very quickly, and, and, uh, and, you know, obviously he was, he did kind of like what John McKee did. He was leading rider as a bug boy, and we all sort of knew that Steve was going to, was headed in that direction if he didn't get too big, and, well, eventually he did get too big. He had, he ended up going to Europe to ride and was leading champion rider in Europe, and, uh, and you know, eventually he retired on top, uh, and he was, uh, and continues to be a great spokesperson for racing, but his very first interviews uh, were done in the press box at the old the old River Downs press box, the old wood panel press box. They had a River Downs, and uh, uh, you know that was a, a really important time for me and getting started in racing. Yeah, you know, you, you, you mentioned John McKee, who, who took the same path as uh, Steve. He actually broke Steve's records here at River Downs and then went on to become the leading rider at Oaklawn. Ironically, his agent, some 25 years later, turned out to be Eddie Campbell, a guy you used to play tennis with and who was Steve Cawthon's agent. Yeah, and, and that was the reason why he got Eddie for an agent, because uh, he was a, a great young talent and uh, Eddie was uh, was was terrific with great young talents and putting them into the right places, and it was Eddie who introduced John McKee to Bob Holtus and Bob who kind of sponsored John's uh, time that he spent here in uh, in Arkansas, and uh, you know it was a it was a really good thing. It was a good thing for everybody, and because we all miss Eddie, Eddie passed away, but uh, we all miss him. But he was really good for the sport, and he was good for what went on at River Downs. He always loved River Downs. Ah, uh, yeah, he he, re- he really did. As a matter of fact, he tipped me off on McKee. He said, hey, I'm going to tell you about this kid, but don't say anything about him. He, he says, I'm going to put him on a bunch of bums so he learns how to change his goggles and eat dirt and can watch a race, you know, develop in front of him. And all of a sudden, one day, my phone rang, and it was Eddie. And I said, yeah, Eddie, what's up? He said, remember I told you not to say anything about that kid, McKee? I said, yeah. He said, you can start talking about him. He went out that day and won two races. So, yeah, Eddie certainly knew a good rider when he saw one. Yeah, he had started with Bernie Saylor years ago and, oh. and uh, had had made Bernie a leading rider at River Downs. And, and then, uh, uh, of course, Steve Cawthon followed, and, and Eddie handed him off to Lenny Goodman in New York, and, and Steve's, you know, his, his career just went uh, to the very high, the highest of heights with Lenny Goodman as his agent in New York and uh, so it, you know they were some really great times and and I'm so thankful that uh, in the mid 60s uh, when it came time one afternoon uh, my roommates and I decided to just go out and take in the horse races at River Downs cuz it changed my life uh, that's something else. Yeah, and you think about back in those days, I mean, uh, here's Steve Cawthon made the cover not only of Sports Illustrated, but Time Magazine. I mean, racing was still in the spotlight back then. That, that was a great time for the game. Yeah, and, and those of us who were around the uh, stable area were all were always aware that that Steve would be a, a, a an excellent young rider because even as a young guy, he took out all the tough horses. His his family, the uh, uh, you know, not his dad was was blacksmith and and worked for all the other members of the family, the Gendelmans and the Bischoffs and all of those, and my close friend Dick Crosby. And uh, and so they were all in the same barn together, and we would see Steve sitting on a, a bale of hay 
with a whip and pretending he was riding. And, and uh, <laughs> But they put him on all their tough horses even early on. Probably, the truth be known, if we ever really checked it out, he was probably getting out on the racetrack on those tough horses before he was even old enough to really do that. Right, right. Well, uh, you know, it was really neat that you were here uh, for, for that part uh, of history. Uh, but uh, you, you, you've had quite the, the, the life yourself, uh, and uh, something I didn't know about was that you majored, you majored in modern language, and I, I hope you're over your jet lag, but you just got back from one of several trips that you've made to the Arc de Triomphe. Yeah, I, I, uh, I really fell in love with, with French racing while I was there. I, I actually went... I uh, got a scholarship after I graduated from Xavier and went the year after I graduated from Xavier to live in Paris and, and go to uh, school for foreign teachers of French. Came back to Cincinnati and, and actually, interestingly enough, uh, and in the Mount Washington area there, I, I, I latched on to a teaching job at Guardian Angel School and then for two years I cr- went across the street to McNicholas High School and I don't think I ever taught French. I, I taught everything else but French, <laughs> it seemed. Uh, they, they needed people in other areas and, uh, uh, you know, then I, when I got the chance to go to the racetrack and I had fallen in love with races at that point, why I, I took that opportunity. It was a risk, uh, but it was a risk obviously that paid off for me. Well, like you said, as I know you, you worked uh, your way from the parking lot up to being a, a press box runner at River Downs, and you, you called it River. But when I, when I started hearing you again is when we finally used to be able to start to get some simulcast races. we get a couple on the weekends, and I used to love uh, your calls from, from XR Ben. Um, and especially during that period when there was that great horse out there, Who Doctor Who. Was that, was that a special time in your career, too? Oh yeah, I think you know who Doctor Who was was can take a whole lot of the credit for me getting into the uh, Nebraska uh, Racing Hall of Fame because he was uh, one of those really special individuals. He had an unusual name. Uh, he had people who were uh, the, the uh, ultimate integrity, and and they they kept him uh, under the radar pretty much. They, they, he earned a lot of money, but he did it the hard way. He earned three quarters, earned three quarters of a million dollars. But I think he only ran in one hundred thousand dollar race in all of his career, uh, so he he was actually quite capable of hooking others. But they preferred to stay around home, and they stayed around the Nebraska circuit and raced him there whenever they could find competition. And they had some really good horse people out there, so they raised some pretty nice horses who would have been superstars if they hadn't have been in the same era as Who Doctor Who. Unfortunately for them. Now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't it finally come down that they arranged a match race for Who Doctor Who? Yeah, that's the only real match race that I ever called. Uh, Who Doctor Who raced against a Philly named Explosive Girl right. that Donnie Von Emel uh, trained early on in his career. Uh, and it was uh, it was run on the same day as the Cornhusker Handicap was being raced at Oak, at uh, Exarbon. And uh, what I always like to point out to people is the Cornhusker that day was won by a uh, horse trained by Bill Mott and ridden by Julie Crone, two ultimately future Hall of Famers. But it was the match race between the Who Doctor Who and Explosive Girl that brought out a crowd of better than 30,000 to Exarbon, which was about the maximum that they could fit in a, with a shoehorn into that uh, facility there. Uh, and it was one of the great afternoons that I've ever enjoyed. I've, been, I've talked to bigger crowds, but never one that had more excitement and more enthusiasm. And that match race really was an exciting race. It, it, there was a, uh, an exchange of leads there on a couple of occasions, and uh, 
uh, it was uh, it was boys versus girls, and and they they had uh, the the gals had uh, one color shirts, and guys had another color shirts, and and they, uh, they it really turned out to be a terrific thing. It was a great promotion. Yeah, I mean, and I know it wasn't just yesterday, but I remember like it was yesterday. Uh, somewhere along the line, I remember for years in my garage, I had a black and white glossy photo of Who Doctor Who uh, winning the race. I'm sure it's in a, it's in a trunk somewhere. Um, it, uh, you, you've been at everywhere from uh, you know the, the, the Great Barrington Fair to Longchamp. Uh, is there a race or uh, one or two that kind of stands out in your mind that when you go back in time, Terry, kind of warms the cockles of your heart, either as a race caller or a fan? Well, I had the, uh, the, the joy of being able to see Secretariat race five times in person, uh, three times as a two-year-old and then twice as a three-year-old. Uh, in, and when I saw him as a two-year-old, of course, we had no idea he was going to be the, the great lingering name in racing that he's turned out to be. Uh, but that was when he was a uh, two-year-old at, Sec- at Saratoga. He raced three times, and I saw him race those three times there. Then I was Chicken Anderson's back of the announcer at Churchill Downs, on the uh, day that he won the Kentucky Derby, uh, so I had the chance to see him there. And then I also, uh, I was following a horse who had started his career at River Downs, named Golden Nine, and he raced against Secretariat in Secretariat's last race, the Canadian International at Woodbine. Uh, and uh, I joined those people, you know, made the trek up to uh, Woodbine to to see that race, and was in the uh, the the. The big club that they have, the the private club they have there at Woodbine, for that race, and and Secretary did win it. Beat a horse called Kennedy Road, who was their superstar there. Right. Golden Dot actually ran third in that race. Uh, you know, so he was River Downs horse who turned out to be pretty doggone good. And uh, <laughs> uh, and and uh, it was uh, it was really kind of fun because it gave me a chance to to meet uh, all of the people involved, the Lucian Lawrence and Penny Tweedies and all of those folks that made a lot of sense to me then when I was able to see the movie Secretariat and kind of put it all together and I know what was real and what wasn't real. And, you know, I hate to weave River Downs into the conversation again, but the jockey aboard Secretariat in the movie was Otto Thorworth, who at the time was riding at River Downs. Yeah, and Otto actually is he's a native of Hot Springs. Yes, yes. And he, and he and his family well, live here in Hot Springs. His dad uh, is now a fishing guide. He was a coach for a long time, school teacher and coach. And his brother Jimmy is a mutual clerk at uh, Oakland right now, even during simulcast season. Uh, so uh, when uh, I went the first night that uh, Secretary had showed here in Hot Springs, Otto and his wife were there and they were signing autographs for folks and everything. It was. Uh, uh, but uh, but Otto uh, himself is you know he's toured around the Midwest and people in the Midwest know him and really appreciate that element uh, to see Otto play that role. That's great. A lot of connections here. Well, uh, I, what I want to know now is uh, Terry, you're you're not behind the mic every day. Uh, what does the immediate future hold for Terry Wallace? Well, I continue to work simulcast uh, for Oakland, and we we, have, we put on a pretty good simulcast uh, program uh, during during the days. We actually uh, communicate with the uh, folks, and we play some games with them. And and uh, um, the, our simulcast is, I think, a lot more fun than most simulcasts are. I also will be working during the live racing season, uh, uh, doing maybe some some tours and some seminars, and uh, blogging for the website, the Oakland.com website, and making selections that way. Uh, and, and getting a chance to spend more time with the people. But, John, you know, I will tell you, John, a couple of things that I still do remember about uh, uh, Riverdowns, uh, and and I was t- trying to rack my memory, and I couldn't remember the horse, but some old-timers will remember. 
Uh, Herb Stevens had a horse uh, who one year, the, the, uh, at River Downs, they were running a race on the turf that was a marathon handicap for older horses. It was like a mile and five-eighths or a mile and five-sixteenths or some weird distance. And a week later, on the closing day, they would run a five-furlong turf sprint. And Herb won it with the same horse. <laughs> Uh, and and I couldn't remember the horse's name, but it was the most spectacular training accomplishment I had ever seen to win going so long, to win the marathon one week and then come back. It was you know, like maybe nine days later and win a turf sprint. It was it was just spectacular. And of course, when I was racing, when I was at River Downs, that was in the era of a really great horse called Royal Harmony, who was the superstar at River Downs at the time. But he was racing against some horses named Engineer White and Ren Apache and some others who were who were very good horses, but they weren't quite as good as Royal Harmony. He was about as good a horse as raced at River Downs uh, up until you know, recent years. So he, he really turned out to be a tremendous horse. Yeah, and he could pack a lot of weight. Well, Terry, uh, this has just been an absolute uh, a pleasure, and I would be remiss if I didn't tell uh, the folks out there that it uh, looks like I'm going to be seeing you next week when you're going to be receiving an honor from the National uh, Turf Riders, the Mr. Fitz Award, and it couldn't be a better award because basically it goes out to an all-round good guy and that's been recognized by his peers in racing. So, Terry, I, I look forward to seeing you in person next week, and I thank you so much for being on winningponies.com with me. No, that's a, that's a great honor for me to be able to do that, and I'm anxious to, to fly out and to see everybody, and, and uh, yourself included, uh, uh, because the, the good guys are the turf riders and the broadcasters in racing. I've discovered that, and, uh, and I'm real proud to be one of them. So thanks for having me uh, on your show, and, and I'll look forward to coming back to Cincinnati. I've got my grandkids are all there. Uh, I look forward to coming back to Cincinnati anytime I can be there. All right, Terry. Well, I will see you next week, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Hall of Famer Terry Wallace. Coming up next, we're going to start handicapping some races with one of the best cappers I know. His name is Ed DeRosa. Let's take a little break, and we'll be right back on winningponies.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Do you feel the need for speed? Whatever your addiction, NASCAR, IndyCar, NHRA, Formula One, or even lawnmower racing, Pit Pass USA has got you covered. Larry Henry here, host of Pit Pass USA. I put my 30-plus years of being a motorsports broadcaster to work to bring you not only the best guests, but also the most interesting guests in racing. Pit Pass USA with Larry Henry. Your front row seat to the world of racing. Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Channel. Be there or get a DNF. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Play ball! If you're looking to talk baseball, even in the off-season, look no further than the King's Corner Talking Baseball with former World Series champion Jim Lairitz. Jim's known for a rather controversial stance during his show. He's brutally honest and ready to talk with current and former players, owners, and other key figures to bring you baseball from an insider's view. You won't want to miss a single episode. The King's Corner Talking Baseball. 
Small with Jim Lahrens is heard every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. And with me is Mr. Ed DeRosa. Uh, for, for many years, I uh, got to read, uh, Ed, as he uh, wrote for the, for the Thoroughbred Times. And he's moved over now, uh, closer to, uh, the, uh, Louisville area. And, uh, he's working there. Uh, you'll see, Ed, if you go across some of the, uh, handicapping sites, actually doing handicapping videos. Uh, he's been a great ambassador to the sport. Uh, what I like about Ed is, uh, I can, I can show up at, uh, a place like, uh, River Downs or Kentucky Downs or, or you know, uh, the Kentucky Derby, uh, or Keeneland, and there, there's Ed. Just a regular guy out there, out there handicapping. So, uh, with me right now, Ed DeRosa. Ed, how you doing? I'm doing well. You left out Lebanon Raceway. i got to give some love to the other breeds as well. But, uh, yeah, I always love a flutter on the ponies. <laughs> I did leave out Lebanon Raceway. How did that, how did that slip my mind? Well, Ed, if you would, uh, for me, I know a little bit about your history, but I'm sure a lot of our winning ponies listeners don't. Why don't you tell people about your introduction to racing and kind of how you got the bug and fell in love with the game? Sure. Grew up in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, and my grandfather was a regular at Thistledown back when they charged admission, and he actually had a season pass, and I uh, was fortunate enough to get to tag along with him to the races uh, a few weekends a year, and just really loved the environment at the racetrack. Uh, the, the thing I remember most really falling in love with, sort of that first entree that hooked me, uh, was the way the crowd swelled up every time the horses turned for home and just that adrenaline rush every time. And it, it still gets me when I'm watching races, just that, that excitement that builds uh, throughout the race. And that's a huge part of what I really enjoy about it. It just gets the blood pumping, makes you feel alive, so to speak. And fortunate enough to have grown up going to the races with family and that's something that's extended to getting to go to races with friends now that I'm in Lexington and met a lot of great people working for Thoroughbred Times and now with Churchill Downs and Brisnet. Uh, your, your, uh, your, your entrance into the sport as a professional, how did you land your first couple of jobs? Oh, sure. Well, uh, as a college student, I was in communications and was interested in sports riding, but loved horse racing, so ended up interning at Northfield Park in 1999, which is why I sort of have that soft spot for harness still, because that was my first big gig, and I have to give credit to Brian DeYoung, who works for Roberts Communications sure. now, and uh, was at Seattle Downs for a while in Saratoga Harness, but he introduced me to the folks at Northfield. Uh, and got me that first job and just fell in love with the racetrack environment, the track kitchen, hanging out with horsemen, being there at night and watching the fans interact with the sport on a daily basis just really spoke to me and, and felt like, uh, you know, this was more than just a hobby but a vocation. 
And the next year, uh, went cross town to Thistledown for a summer internship in 2000. And then in 2002, uh, got the job at Thoroughbred Times as a staff writer, uh, a job that Joe Nevels now has. And, uh, it was just a great experience to sort of grow into that role and meet everyone in horse racing and, uh, owe a lot to Thoroughbred Times. I was only 22 years old at the time and they gave me, uh, a, a big shot, and I really appreciate it, and it's uh, turned into what I hope is a lifelong career. Well, you, you, you alluded to Joe Nevels. I think he might be an Ed DeRosa in the making because he's not, he's not a, a very old man himself, but he seems to have all the uh, the enthusiasm and, and passion for the game at every level that you do. Yeah, he's uh, someone who interned at Thoroughbred Times, and uh, right from the beginning I uh, could tell that this was someone who uh, not only loved Racing, just in the sense of, yeah, day at the races is fun, but just lived and breathed it. Uh, and that, as you sort of introduced me and talked about all the tracks I like to go to, uh, that's something he and I have in common as well. He's from Michigan, so he sort of grew up not necessarily in the major leagues. You hear a lot of people getting involved in racing at Saratoga and Santa Anita and Keeneland, and it's easy to understand why when you're around those places. But there are great stories and, and great excitement at all tracks, and that's something I know you uh, have come to know firsthand at River Downs through the years. So uh, it's, it's great that you know people who do come up through Thistledown and Hawthorne and Mount Pleasant Meadows and Emerald Downs and Long Acres like Kenny Maine are able to share that with uh, the country at large. Uh, absolutely. Well, I think once you get it in your blood at just about any level, you find out what, what, a, what a great game it is. Well, I'm going to try to take you for a little trot across the country here in the handicapping challenge I, I threw at you earlier in the week. Uh, going to start out on track. I know you're no stranger to uh, uh, Keeneland and take you back to Belmont Park. We'll go on a little break, and then we're going to come back to uh, kind of another one of those uh, state-bred programs that you see a lot this time of year. Uh, out uh, at Santa Anita for uh, a lot of the, the Cal Cup races. Let's let's start at uh, at Keeneland, uh, uh, the Fayette. Uh, it's the 53rd running. Uh, this will this will be a mile and an eighth on the Poly Track. It brings together kind of an, an interesting group of horses, and I'd be interested in finding out who you think maybe floats to the top. Obviously, um, in my opinion, the, there's two standouts in here, and you'll probably prove me wrong in uh, Wise Dan and Mission Impassable. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that those are the starting points in terms of handicapping this race. And I, I look pretty long at this one just because with the full field and, uh, Keeneland is, is such a, uh, when it comes to looking for prices, Keeneland, especially this meet, it seems, uh, horses who are eight, ten to one, uh, they figure. And as a handicapper, I really like that because you can find some prices and those tick four for 50 cents. Uh, could pay two or three thousand. And this is definitely one of those races where the more I looked, the more I thought, yeah, I can beat the favorites here. Uh, why is Dan? I just, I have to go against him at, at the price he'll be first time going nine furlongs. Uh, I know he's, he has two turn experience and he's done fairly well, uh, going two turns, but, uh, nine furlongs is definitely the next step past a mile and a mile and a 16. And I see Wiseman's Ferry on top, and I just think he'll have to beat me at the price. And a hot trainer like Charles Lepresti and a jockey like Julian Leperu aren't going to help matters in the price department. People are definitely gravitating toward them this meet. And he's he's a type that I'll, I'll let him beat me late. Uh, Mission Impassable is sort of the, the same thing. I, 
it's the type of favorite who can win, and you certainly aren't going to be shocked if he does. Uh, so it is sort of a catch-22 because you, you hate to be against him completely and be ripping up tickets. But, uh, you know, 8-5 to five or 2-1, to one, I just think there's other value here. And the, the top pick for me is a too fast to catch who is uh, by not for love and ships in from the Maryland circuit for Tim Keith. Uh, I think there's a lot of pace in this race, a lot of early speed. Hello, Ed. Well, uh, here's what we'll do. We'll just uh, we'll go to a quick break, and then we'll uh, we'll be back with that. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Fantasy sports is where the action really is. Over 40 million people play fantasy sports, but rarely do they get to quiz the experts. Fantasy Insights is the name and the game. Tune in every week as Dish Adams and his guests clue you in on the fantasy football game, what's happening on and off the field, and how it will affect your fantasy team. These experts aren't just beat writers assigned to fantasy football. They live and breathe the game. Tune in to Fantasy Insights with Dish Adams every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and Ed DeRosa, we got our uh, technical difficulties out of the way. We're going to move on to Belmont Park to the Bold Ruler Handicap, a grade three race at the always interesting distance of seven furlongs. Ed, how did you approach this one? Well, hopefully the radio gods uh, like my pick in this race better than they did A2 Fast to Catch in the Fayette. But for those who didn't catch it, that's uh, definitely my pick on top there. In the bold ruler, I, I like Sangaree, who was a horse I was going to play against Uncle Mo in the Kelso. And I figure if I liked him enough to try to be Uncle Mo with him, I should wheel him back here is the likely second or third choice. I think the entry will take a lot of money. Uh, he only gets 117 pounds. Uh, this one just seems teed up for a prime effort and I think he's the fastest horse in the race so to me anything better than 5-2 to two and he's 3-1 to one on the morning line is a go for me the horse I'll try to get underneath at a big big price is Steve Asmussen's trainee rule by night I think he has races uh, in his back class that uh, compete well here, including a win at the distance and a stakes race at Aqueduct. So he should be the longest price on the board. So anytime you can get them in the number, you're doing all right. But Sangri is definitely my go-to on top. 
Yeah, and, and Sangaree, I mean, let's face it, uh, this horse uh, has run numerous buyer figures uh, into the 100s. Its last one was a 104 against the likes of Rule. And also uh, had a little excuse there, was bumped at the quarter pole. Uh, that race, uh, he was on the front end every way but the last jump. So uh, certainly uh, seven furlongs I don't think is, uh, is beyond his realm. Uh, well, here now I'm going to take you all the way out to Santa Anita. Again, this is uh, a couple races where we're going to see Calbreds going. The second will have the best uh, betting opportunity, I think. But the first is the... Uh, key race of the day for the Calbreds. It's the California Cup Classic. $175,000 is the purse. And this race goes at a mile and an eighth. And I'm just wondering uh, who came to the top to you? It looks like there's some now horses that look like they could be getting better and better. And then there's uh, some horses here with some back class against these Calbreds. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think the next race sort of sets up maybe for the bigger price because I do think Norski is is coming into this at top form. Uh, Although there are some red flags, he's lost at odds of six to five, one to two, eight to five. So he doesn't seem to find the winner circle when the money's on him. And I expect the money to be on him uh, again. But you know he's he's really tough to leave out because he's always in the in the picture and he's, he is going turf to dirt which might wake him up a little bit he gets Bejarano who won on him last time if there's one thing I'm going to point to that concerns me uh beyond the unwillingness to win it's that he is toting 124 which is high weight in the field and uh I, i'm a believer in weight more than others i do think it matters in a in a game of, of inches when noses could decide a race i really do think that weight can make a difference and 124 is no small potatoes i'm gonna mega heat is the horse if the price is right is the one i'll try to use to beat him joe talamos sticks with this one i don't know if he had his choice but he was on norski last time as well hmm. but mega heat to me uh nine furlongs unusual heat just seems to be the sire out there right now and a lot of these sires i'm not sure if they can throw runners that'll go this far but we know unusual heat can and this one's stretching out to an amount an eighth for the first time but he's won going two turns in those last two races and i think that uh he'll be a little closer to the pace this time instead of 16 lengths out as he was last time and he was still able to close and win so i think mega he's going to have a, a, a big chance in this one. Yeah, I think you make a lot of good points on him. And that was the horse I was saying that seems to be uh, the now horse. Uh, he can run a little bit close to the pace, or in that last race, he came from pretty far out of it uh, and, and, and still got up. And like you said, Talamo decided to, to stick with him. Uh, I'm not sure who Peter Uriton is, but he's batting 31% as a trainer right now. Uh, Mega Heat could be a, a star in the making. Well, now we yeah, go to a race. It's called the John Deere California Cup Distaff, and this is a race that I think uh, is set up to bring home a, a big price in the trifecta. Yeah, I'm not sure uh, the, the PPs I have weren't final yet, so I, I'm going with no uh, the morning line, but uh, I'm assuming that Unzip Me is going to be the, the favorite in this one off. Uh, her back class and current class as well. I mean, she's certainly still 
uh, running at the top of her game. And most importantly for a lot of people, she's won at that downhill configuration, which is uh, definitely uh, among the more unique styles of racing in the country. And experience on it does go a long way. But uh, to me, Sugar in the Morning also has that winning experience going downhill at Santa Anita. And I'm interested in her uh, in addition to having that winning experience, but also uh, she had a two-turn race last out, made the lead, and then just kind of sputtered and ended up losing by less than a length. But cuts back in distance to uh, a distance she's already won at at a course she's already won at, retains Patrick Valenzuela, who really gets a lot out of his horses in the lane. And I expect this one to be uh, spinning them in, turning for home, and, and being on the and being able to hold off sprinting this time rather than going two turns. So assuming unzip me takes the money, I think she will. I think sugar in the morning could offer a lot of value. Well, it, it should be a, a very interesting race. The two horses shouldn't be very far apart from each other. It, it seems like they uh, have very similar uh, running styles. Um, and it's going to be an interesting race. I think people are going to have fun trying to shopping for those horses, uh, those horses to put uh, underneath. Well, listen, with those four races behind us, let's just kind of open up the crystal ball. And uh, you're right down there in Louisville. Uh, you're seeing things uh, shape up. Uh, just paint with a broad brush this year's Breeders' Cup, if you would. Well, I think the the big story is definitely going to be that late double on Saturday with the Mile and Goldakova going for her fourth straight, and then the Breeders' Cup Classic, which should decide Horse of the Year, if not because of who the winner is, but sort of by default based on uh, you know if it's a Valpony situation, then people are going to have to look elsewhere. But uh, my sense is that all attention for the Breeders' Cup, I shouldn't say all attention, but uh, a big bulk of the attention is is based on those storylines, and as you alluded to earlier on the show, they, they made the move to put that mile right before the classic as opposed to the turf, which had been there uh, throughout the event's history. So that, to me, was a big signal that they expect a lot of attention to be on Goldakova and her quest, and I can certainly understand why to win a race of that magnitude four years in a row, shipping from Europe to do so at two different racetracks is incredible. Yeah, you know, I, I just I just wonder if... Uh if a little bit of age is getting to her because she seems to have have lost more races this year than she had in the past coming into this race. Yeah, and they were the type of losses where you, you watch the race and for the most part you think these are races she may have won two or three years ago. Uh, the, the reason I'm, I don't want to say give her a pass, but the reason I would still rank her first among this group is she was losing group one races to group one horses in Europe. And when I look at the horses that beat her by less than a length, I think, man, if any of these ran in, say, the Shadwell Turf Mile or the Addo Mile at Woodbine, any of these horses would be odds-on favorites to win those races here in America. And now she's shipping over here, and you have a chance to get maybe eight to five or nine to five on a horse who's within a neck or half a length of horses who would be, uh, as I said, three to five or four to five in some of our biggest races. So, uh, you know, if we were talking about her being four to five or even money, I'd say, yeah, I could see taking a shot. Uh, but, but for me, with enough of that sort of luster off her in terms of the, the, the winds not being there, I think that two to one would actually be a pretty square price on an animal of her magnitude. Yeah, in front of what I'm reading about uh, trainer, former jockey uh, Freddie Head, he's saying he feels great. He's coming into this race he's feeling awful good. And as you pointed out, you know, she was facing Europe's best 
all season long, and I think we all knew that, that th- this was the goal, you know, to, to make history and, and to, to go out with, with another w- win in here. Uh, I, I know I'll be pulling for her. Uh, she's going to meet some familiar foes. Uh, Gio Pani was awful impressive at Keeneland in his last start. Yeah, Gio Pani, he's actually sort of the opposite of my approach toward Goldakova. He's a horse that I would say when he wins, you can be rest assured that I probably lost. Uh, it's not for, out of disrespect for him because the seasons he's put together and to win three Eclipse Awards is tremendous. And uh, I certainly applaud the uh, campaign his his owners have, have done with him. And he'll be a worthy successor to Bernstein at uh, Castleton Lions when he goes to stud next year. But he's just always over bet. Uh, you know, I can't, eight to five, seven to five on a horse who finishes second so often isn't typically where I want to be. But uh, in terms of going out in style, to have Goldakova and Gio Ponte battling in that Churchill stretch on, on Breeders' Cup is what World Championship racing is all about. And, uh, you know, we talked about my sort of genesis in the sport, and I, I imagine I'll be getting those goosebumps when they're turning for home and 70,000 people are screaming home their favorite. Absolutely. Well, listen, i got about two minutes left, and let's face it, uh, as long as the day is and as great as all the racing is, the eyes are, eyes are going to be on the Breeders' Cup Classic, and Arv de Grasse, who I guess this year in some way, shape, or form is the, the new Zenyatta, willing to take on the boys. That's a great story, but she certainly has got some competition uh, because the, the Pletcher horses uh, both look awful good. Uh, what's your quick read on this race? Yeah, I, I do think Hava de Grace is the horse to beat, and I'm likely to make her my top pick if I think she'll be three to one or seven to two. I just think Uncle Mo's going to take too much money. Uh, he's fast, but he's no ghost sapper who sort of had that same brilliance. But I was much more bullish on Ghost Zapper's ability to get a mile and a quarter than Uncle Mo's. So, yeah, Hava de Grasse to me is definitely where the attention is, uh, should be. Uh, and the more I look at So You Think, the more I'm warming to his chances. It's just a matter of will we get five to one or maybe even eight to one, depending on where the money goes elsewhere. But I definitely think he's Aiden O'Brien's uh, best shot at a classic win since probably Giants Causeway. Well, it's it's going to make for a great story, and I can tell you this is uh, my plans are to be uh, to be down there with you. I can't wait till we uh, we cross paths. Uh, I, I wish the the best to uh, to, to you and your fa- your family, and I really appreciate you, you uh, taking the time out uh, from your night to spend time oh. on WinningPonies.com. Ed. My pleasure. Love talking racing with you, John. All right, ladies and gentlemen, ace handicapper Ed DeRosa. Well, once again, the hour has gone just way too fast. I want to thank uh, Terry Wallace and Ed DeRosa for joining us on winningponies.com. Next week, a special Breeders' Cup show. We're going to dedicate the entire show to the Breeders' Cup. Make sure that uh, you listen in and make sure that you uh, dial into winningponies.com and get all of the great products they have. They're going to help you weed out the winners on Breeders' Cup Day. So that closes out another WinningPonies.com from high atop the grandstand overlooking the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky. I'm John Engelhart. Remember, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.